Just our real estate episode number 190. I, I've sold two houses before the construction was done, and uh, so I'm two for two, I guess, on that. <laughs> All right, welcome and thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host. If you've been here before, welcome back to the show. If you've never been here before, thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you coming here to check us out. Today, I have a really special guest and I'm doing something that I don't normally do. Normally, I'm in, I'm interviewing on Mondays a really accomplished you know, kind of experienced, successful investor. Today, I'm gonna gonna change it up a little bit. I'm I'm actually interviewing someone who's new to the business. They've done a couple of things, but they're still new. They're still getting their feet wet. But he is just really doing great stuff, especially for considering how new he is to the business. His name is Dan Costantino, and I am going to bring you that interview in just a moment. But before I do, I just want to make a special announcement. I've been talking about the Fail Fast Flipping program that Justin and I are working on together, and today is the day. Today is the kickoff of that program, and I am really psyched for it. As you know, I am one of the instructors, one of the coaches in the program, and I really believe in it, guys. I think this program is going to just make some very successful real estate investors. It is something that I just, I'm blown away by the amount of information, the amount of content, the amount of just stuff that you get in this program, along with really good, focused advice and feedback from guys like Justin, who's flipping 100 houses a year, guys like me, a couple other really selected real estate investors that he's brought in to help him with this program. I'm telling you, there's nothing like this out there. There really isn't. I mean, you really have just a handful of experts teaching you things, providing tons of content. There's videos that are instructing you on every facet of real estate investing, guys. It's, there's just nothing like it. I highly suggest you check it out. If you go to my website at juststartrealestate.com, if you go on the right-hand side, there's a link where you can click on it to sign up for the program. I highly suggest you do it. It's just going to be great, and I hope to see you there. Okay, let's dive into today's show. Like I said, I'm interviewing Dan Costantino. He is a new real estate investor, and he's doing some very, very cool things. I mean, I was surprised at some of the actions that he's already taken as a new investor. And I think his story is inspiring, especially to someone who's just starting out and wants to get started. Dan had no special skills or any special um, you know, help when he got started. It was all him. And he's really done well for himself so far. And he is continuing to do more and more as he goes. And it's just an incredible story. So I want you to take a listen, be inspired, and and just check it out. Dan is really, really awesome. All right, here we go. All right, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. Today, I have a very special treat for you. I have Dan Costantino in, uh, uh, on the show, and Dan is a full-time sales executive that began investing in real estate mid-2013. In about a year, Dan has flipped two single-family homes and acquired six rental units through traditional and creative finance methods. Dan is investing in real estate to build a stronger financial foundation for his family, and he also wants to challenge himself to build and run a business that's built on hard work and integrity. He figures he's done it for other companies, so why not do it for himself? And I think that's a super good goal. Dan, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here, bud. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So I should say right off the bat, I found Dan on the Bigger Pockets forum, and he was uh, sharing his his early successes in the business with everyone there, and it really kind of struck a chord with me. And I really liked his story, and I thought it would be incredibly inspirational for people who are just starting out to hear about someone who really is brand new, but has has really done a lot in about a year, like like a real lot for some people. I mean, what you've done in about a year here, Dan, it sometimes takes people a decade to get get that much done. I mean, you've obviously taken some massive action, and we're going to dive into how you're doing it and how you did it and, and all the things that's going on here. But before we do, let's get to know you a little bit better. What is your background? What's your career background look like? Do you still work a nine to five? And if so, you know, what do you do? Sure. Uh, I do still have a full-time sales executive job. Uh, I've been in the business, uh, in the shipping and supply chain business since 1999. I've always held a sales role, uh, and for a few years I actually ran a freight forwarding and third-party warehouse, uh, so the operations side while maintaining a sales territory. Um, while I enjoy the operations end of the business, uh, sales is a much better quality of life, so I've uh, <laughs> gravitated back towards that because it's it's just quite frankly more fun. Um, it, it, but learning the operations part of the business actually made me a much better salesperson, and I really uh, saw my sales numbers take off after I learned the operation, um, which has actually carried over to my real estate uh, investing business as well. Okay, so you're in sales, and it sounds like you're doing pretty well. So what? What made someone who works, I'm going to say nine to five, but if you're in sales, I'm, your hours might not be quite that, that neat and tidy. So if you're working, Definitely you know, not. nine or eight or seven o'clock in the morning until God knows when at night and you get home, you're tired, you have a family, what made you want to do something else? What got you involved in real estate from the beginning? Why did you, why did you want to do that? Well, I, I always was looking for something, but, uh, the thing that, that, direct me towards real estate, and, and this is an answer you've probably heard a number of times, was I, I am in the car a lot, so I downloaded Rich Dad Poor Dad, and uh, it, it kind of just really, uh, it just really triggered something in my head, says, hey, I, I can do something like that. And, and obviously the flipping shows and, and things like that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Those flipping shows uh, scare the, the the heck out of my wife when we started flipping houses. We started back in 08 and you know what watching we had to eventually stop watching them because all of the all of the things that went wrong and all the horror stories of things that were happening in those shows were freaking us out and we were like we can't watch these disasters and then go out and try to do this because it's like it's making it seem scary and honestly I always tell people too if if there's that much drama and that much excitement in one of your flips, chances are you've done something horribly wrong. You've miscalculated horribly. Like these guys go into these things saying, oh, this is going to be a $40,000 rehab and it becomes an $80,000 rehab and everyone's fine. And at the end of the day, they make money. That's not my reality. <laughs> if I missed it by double, I wouldn't make money. And you know, it's it, it really real estate investing. Once you get into it more and you start, you start doing more flips, it becomes very routine and, and very uneventful for the most part. And that's really what you want, honestly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those shows are, are funnier now uh, going through some of sure. this stuff. I mean, they act like a $500 uh, change order is a big deal. And it's exactly. You 
Yep, those definitely happen. So, speaking of rich dad, poor dad, I mean, you know, it sounds like you've gotten your educ- you started getting your education, and I'm I'm assuming part of that involves like the bigger pockets forum and places like that. Have you paid for any education to this point? And and if so, what did what did you do, and how did you do it? Uh, I've absolutely paid for education, um, and I, and quite frankly, I've paid too much, and that was one of the main uh, points I wanted to make. You know, uh, in our discussion, um, to to help new people because I'm one of those people that I, when I want to go into something, I go full bore. So um, I, I do well in sales, so uh, I don't want to waste my time. And while um, I've learned a ton from bigger pockets, and I was overwhelmed, and I still am overwhelmed by how much experienced people uh, are willing to help newbies like myself and and others. Sure. Um, but I've done the I've done actually. You know the rich dad poor dad uh, book, if you will, certainly sets you up for for their uh, learning. <laughs> yeah. So I they came to they came for a three day deal and and uh, I, I bought it hook line and sinker. So I I've done that, um, and I would recommend that quite frankly people don't do that. Um, while I'm not totally against gurus and and education, because uh, I've actually bought other boot camps and things like that. I I think it for a busy individual like myself. I think it's good to go somewhere for three to four days and really do nothing but concentrate on learning um, about how to flip or rehab or, or lease option, whatever the case may be. So I, I do see value in it, and I think and boot camps are typically a lot more affordable. So for a guy like me, I have no problem spending uh, two or three grand on a on a good boot camp. In fact, I'm going to a Ron Legrand boot camp uh, this upcoming week. Okay, great. Yeah, and I, I agree with you totally. I think that you can get, really, you can go too far and spend way too much money. And I think that sometimes going to a coach or a boot camp or taking a program, if it's a good program, it can help you like bypass some of the mistakes that you might have made if you didn't know better. And, and it can help you kind of accelerate your, your process a little bit. But, you know, th- there's a point of diminishing the returns. At some point, you have to get out there and actually start doing it right and i think the houses that you flipped and the and the houses that you've purchased as rentals i'm sure you've learned a ton doing that too right i mean getting out there and actually doing it is a great education no question and and i have this in a couple different places but uh one of the gurus that i signed up with was robin thompson uh, the queen of rehab and uh i mean she she has meant a lot to my career and really helped me um in a number of ways but she single-handedly helped me negotiate my first flip on the sales side and easily saved me eight thousand dollars so uh i mean she literally negotiated with me i was with her um doing the mentorship deal and she helped me negotiate every single phone call uh, with now, the two explain two to me now on the sales side. You mean after you had renovated the home when you were trying to sell it? Correct. So okay. I didn't have it listed, um, okay. but I had I was showing it. Uh, it wasn't completely done, but I had two offers: one from an FHA couple, and another with a cash buyer. And in my head, you know, again, you know, you need to change your thinking. But in my head, cash buyers get discounts. Uh, that's how I buy, certainly. Uh, right. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to sell that way. So. Um, they they offered me less than what I was asking, and I would have taken it just to make sure that we got you know, got it closed up. And uh, you know she helped change my thinking a bit, and she made she made sure I got the full asking price, um, even though you know they had cash and the other people were were getting financed. Wow, that is that's really great. And so you're so 
now do you do you think you'll always show houses before you're finished with them because i know this is a debatable topic some people say absolutely not people can't the normal the average person can't walk into a house that's not finished and picture it they just can't so you're you're losing potential sales and then if and i know you didn't list it but the other argument is if you list it before it's done and because people can't see past the the work then now you have a listing that becomes a little bit stale because it's been on the market for a couple weeks with no offers kind of a thing so what is your philosophy behind that obviously you didn't list it but would you always start showing it before you're finished uh yes i i've sold two houses before the construction was done and uh so I'm two for two, I guess, on that. <laughs> but it's, it's just with a for sale by owner sign, um, and and it's people that walk by that know the that know the house that wasn't renovated, and see it improving over time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely do it. Uh, now this, I mean, this is I put the for sale by owner sign pretty close to completion. So I mean, we're we're finishing, you know. It just punch list items at that point, so I, I don't show it too early in advance. Typically, um, now on the flip side, I'm renovating uh, a duplex uh, over in the city of Pittsburgh, where a lot of the young professionals and college people live. And I was trying to lease out um, a two bedroom house, or actually, it was a two bedroom with a third captive, and that's just that's normal for that area. Um, that was completely done. I was trying to get a lease on that. And this girl came with her mother. She liked it. She liked the finishes. She liked how we did things, but it, it sh they didn't like the captive bedroom. So they went and looked up the street. I had another duplex up the street. When I was walking in, um, you know, I told them that it would be ready in August, but we hadn't even started construction. They were across the street sitting there waiting on another property manager to show them that, op that property. And they wanted to come in. I said, "Well, I, I would never show this property in its condition." And uh, someone had just been evicted. It was full of, you know, uh, furniture and clothes. I mean, it was, it was. This is one I would definitely not recommend showing. But I took them through anyway. I had nothing to lose, and right. uh, we just signed a lease this week, and and construction's going to be done here in a couple weeks. So, awesome. That's very uh, cool. It's worked out for me. I mean, maybe that's where my sales skills uh, come into play. Yeah, that certainly doesn't hurt. So let's talk about that first deal a little bit more in depth, if you don't mind. Where, how did you find it? Let's start there, I guess. How did you find it? I found that by, you know, this is after I had uh, done a few classes. So, I mean, I was eager for a deal. Um, so I was just, I linked up with some realtors, uh, one in particular, and I had her set up, you know, those those flash emails anytime a property came in my price range in the areas I liked uh, that I would get those and I just found it through traditional methods this was a, a Fannie Mae property that was listed and had a huge price drop really okay so you just bought you bought it through a realtor then obviously correct okay so <clears throat> how did you finance it um, I have uh, to get started I used a home equity line I have I had a, a little over a hundred thousand dollars in um, home equity uh, line of credit. Okay. And so I financed it with that, so via cash. Okay. What What was the purchase price of the house? It was forty four thousand. Forty four. Okay. All right. So that home equity line of credit offered forty four thousand. I I ended up closing on it for forty nine thousand. Forty nine. Okay. All right. And then what did, did how did you come up with your after repair value? How did you figure that? I uh, relied heavily on. I, I had a market research report done by my realtor. Okay. Um, and she she provided that for me. Okay. And I 
I cut that down by like 15 or 20 grand. <laughs> oh, did you really? Conservative. Just to be conservative. Okay. I mean, that's smart. If you can do that and still and still show, you know, still make money or still look like there's money to be made, then I think that's great. So you got your ARV from your realtor. How, if you don't mind my asking, and I'm kind of digging a little bit deep here, but I, I know that new people really have this question a lot of times. You have the after repair value. You you know what you bought it for, obviously. How did you know you were going to make money? How did you estimate repairs? And what formula do you use? Or how did you calculate to know that you were going to have a profit at the end of the day? Well, I estimated repairs uh, using a property repair sheet that I got from one of my classes. Um, and I did my best to, to uh, estimate. Um, I was somewhat off. I had two contractors. So I locked the property up. Um, and then I took two contractors through before I actually closed on it. One contractor was investor friendly and he was well within, um, well within the budget. So I, I was trying to apply the 70% rule, which is, okay. is really taught. Um, can you, can you explain the 70% rule real quick for someone who doesn't know? What does that mean? Sure. So I estimated this to sell for 125. I took 70% of that. Uh, minus repairs, and that would equal my maximum allowable offer. Gotcha. Okay, good. Okay, so is that how you, uh, when you estimated repairs now, you were, you estimated them yourself, and then you went through and had a contractor basically uh, do their, you know, run their numbers so you could kind of compare that and see if you were good, and it turns out one of, it sounds like one of the contractors, you you, you were within, you know, you were right, basically. Your, your, your estimation was pretty close. Yeah, I was, I think I estimated about 35000 um, and the other contractor was who I just had something come uh, come up in my house. I had a, a, a small leak in my house from the bathroom. So he was a disaster recovery guy, but they were a builder. Um, so anyway, seemed like a good guy. I had him come down and, and look at the house as well. He scared the crap out of me with his bid. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't going to do anywhere near the finishes that I wanted, and, and he, uh, he bid close to like, it was like 53,000 and that didn't cover things that, uh, I had other contractors do. So, I mean, that, that scared the pants off of me. Yeah. So the guy who ended up doing it, what did, what was his final number? I mean, how much did you end up paying for rehab? Well, what I, uh, he was just, a, he was the main component. I think I ended up paying him like 27,000. My total rehab costs were 42,000, which did go over budget. Okay. Now, okay, that brings up another good question. So the guy who did the majority of it, was he a general contractor or did you subcontract everything out? He was a general contractor, but he did, you know, he did small electric and plumbing, whatever, whatever was needed. Okay. So what couldn't he do? Uh, I had carpet done by someone else, okay. uh, the exterior painting, um, just yeah, just, just more specialized things. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Good. So it sounds like, I mean, right off the bat, you did a lot of things right. And you, you know, you, you estimated repairs close, which is amazing. Do you have a background in building at all? Or do you have any special knowledge when it comes to rehabbing houses beforehand? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, I, I've finished my, I have a very, uh, good support system. My stepfather is a, uh, general contractor he does just about everything he literally built the house that uh my parents he, he and my mom live in um and we helped but uh certainly we were just grunts um so that helped um that was the main helper i mean actually i, I think i 
put it in the blog, and I, I don't know if you're going to get to this, but uh, the I was about to walk away from my earnest money deposit the night before closing because that last contractor scared scared me so much. Yeah. Um, so I, I almost did walk out, and I actually had my stepdad come through with me, and I had my repairs, I had my contractor's bid, and I didn't show him that, and he went through and I told him what I wanted done, and, and he was literally within a couple thousand dollars of what the contractors, basically what my end repair numbers were going to be. So he, he you know, I, I, I guess I was scared because I was considering uh, walking away because I thought I might break even or even lose a couple thousand dollars. Right. And now I look back and that was really foolish, but he said, even if you did break even, the education that you're going to get on this is going to be yeah. uh, very valuable. He's like, I, I would I would go through with it. He gave me the confidence to go through with the closing. Okay. And that's that's really important to talk about because, you know, those the contractor that you choose can really make a big difference. And it sounds like you ended up finding a guy who was more in line, but even, you know, even experienced investors, right? Sometimes it becomes necessary to find a new contractor for whatever reason. It's because you're scaling your business and they can't handle everything or you know, contractors sometimes flake out and you have to find a new one. And I've gone through that and I've had, at this point, I can estimate re repairs pretty, pretty well myself, but then I have a contractor come through and I've had some come through where they were, you know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 higher than they should have been. And it's just a joke. It's a complete waste of time, but they're out there and maybe it's, you know, that's just their business model and the types of building that they're doing that, you know, the market supports it, but not a, not what we're doing. So they're out there, I guess. And the, the lesson here is don't, don't get overly freaked out by a high bid. You know, that's why you need to get, you know, two, three, four bids so that you have something to compare it to. But, um, yeah, I mean, that is scary to think that you might've made a mistake and, and have to walk away from earnest money. But I guess walking away from earnest money is still better than losing $10,000. Right. So that's, you know, sometimes you have to cut you have to cut your losses, but it's a good thing you didn't, and it sounds like it all worked out very well. So, what did the numbers look like at the end of the day? What were the what were the profits, and did anything come up that you didn't expect? The no, the the thing that the one thing I was really worried about was in the basement. And in, in Pittsburgh, it's all hills. There's a ton of rain. Uh, there's a lot of wet basements, especially when this was vacant for a year and a half, um, and there was a there was water damage from the upstairs. Um, bathroom the pipes bursting so there, there was a lot of issues there and, and we ran into a couple small items but nothing nothing earth-shattering uh, I was I was pretty set I was actually three days away from getting a French drain interior French drain system put in and it was suggested by my stepdad to reroute the downspouts and the day before that the um, drain French drain people were gonna come and, and put that in system in uh, the basement had dried up because we had rerouted the downspout, so that saved wow. me, three, which which helped quite a bit. And it's something that simple. That's something I do at all my houses now. Is make sure <laughs> I address that because we have the. I mean, that house was only I believe sixty or seventy years old. These other houses I'm working on are are hundred years old. So those terracotta pipes in the in the ground in a lot of cases are, are busted up. Sure, absolutely. Okay, so what did the what did the numbers look like at the end? What, what did you buy? I know, let's just recap. What did you buy it for? What did you put into it? And what was your final net profit? Absolutely. So the acquisition, including closing costs, was $52,571. The rehab, including all my contractors, uh, was at $41,900. Uh, my holding costs were $1,484, and I had lower holding costs because I was using my own cash, 
um, and the selling costs, which you know the the transfer taxes and um, just regular closing costs was two thousand eighty eight dollars ninety three. So the the subtotal of all those costs is $98,045, and the gross amount uh, at closing was, um, sales price was $124,829 with a profit of $26,784. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I away from that and cost myself $4,900. You- <laughs> exactly. You almost walked away from it, and you got an education, and you got paid $25,000 almost to get it. That's well, awesome. I needed it to pay off the rich dad, poor dad tuition. <laughs> How much is that? I don't even know. I mean, is it is it expensive? It's it's absurd. I, I paid twenty seven thousand, and I uh, I complained to the high heavens, so I was able to get back um, I think eight thousand dollars. So wait a minute, the cost of that program is twenty seven thousand dollars. That is correct. For Holy. for the they have higher. Uh, higher packages as well. They have higher packages. See, I'm completely naive because here's the thing. When I started, I was super gung-ho, but I was way too cheap and frankly didn't have the money. I mean, you could have said it was 27 million. You might as well have said if it was 27,000, I wouldn't have been able to do it, but wow, wow, wow. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say right now there's, how long was this education for? Was it like, was it lifetime or how long, was there an end point or? It's a two year program. Okay. Uh, it did included four four classes and unlimited calls into their um, helpline where you could talk to other investors their coach coach hotline um, wow i mean so yeah. they, but they're selling it i mean obviously you're you're an extremely intelligent guy right it's not like they're just selling this to people who don't know any better i mean you don't know any better but I mean, they're, they're selling it. It's amazing to me. And, you know, I, I do have a coaching program that I charge for. And, you know, there's times when I go, wow, maybe I, maybe, I don't know. I feel, you know, it's, it's something I know and I can tell people, but I'm charging for it because I want people who are serious. And frankly, it's, it's information that I'm taking the time to give them. But holy smokes, when you hear that people are charging 27,000, you don't feel so bad to charge for, for, you know, really good education. So there's definitely free education out there, right? I mean, We've said bigger pockets a number of times. I'm not like an affiliate of theirs or anything, but they happen to be a very good website. There's other ones. I mean, obviously, I've got a website. There's some other people that I that I know that have great websites that offer just a ton of free education. And God forbid you spend a couple of thousand dollars to get some intense, really good hands-on training. I mean, that's I think that's great. And then you know when when it, when you start getting a twenty-seven thousand dollar range, you're right. I mean, how many? How long does it take to recoup that money? For you, it actually took one flip because you did a great job. But some people, you know, it takes them years to flip their first house. So I don't know. I'm kind of ranting here and just sort of rambling a little bit. But I guess at the end of the day, don't. I, I think that you would agree, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to tell my, my people that are listening, do not spend $27,000 on any program. Try to get the free education first and then find a reputable, reasonably priced, you know, coach or mentor that can help you. The, that that is a, a main point I wanted to make. Like I said in in our uh, discussion here, is do not do that. There there are so many more resources, both free and much less expensive, that will get you further ahead. And quite frankly, the the twenty seven thousand I made on this was not really uh, due to Rich Dad. It was more on Robin Thompson's uh, um, help okay. um, in her mentorship. Uh, the biggest thing I learned from Rich Dad. Um, was to go to your RIA. <laughs> I didn't know what RIAs were. I didn't know they existed. <laughs> uh, 
I, I would re recommend to all newbies to just be active in the RIA and, and there will be gurus that pitch there and everything, but ultimately there will be local mentors um, that would be much more valuable than a, a national program. National programs, the answer you will hear most um, most times when you ask them questions is you'll need to check with your lawyer or CPA. It's it's very frustrating. Wow, that's crazy. And, I, and I'm assuming that Robin, her mentorship cost you something, but it sounds like it was well worth the money that you spent. So, I mean, there is good education out there. Oh, no question. Yeah, I mean, I went to her five-day boot camp, and, I mean, you she gives you her cell phone number. So, Wow, it's that's awesome. Okay, all right, well, that's our little segment on Guru Who's, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... You know, I guess it's just it, what it boils down to is just be careful. That's all. I mean, just be careful. Don't don't hand over twenty seven thousand dollars. I guess you can make that statement flat out. Don't hand over twenty seven. But you know, a couple thousand dollars, four or five thousand dollars, depending on what you're getting, I suppose. You know, a boot camp or some ongoing training, as long as it's with someone who who knows what they're talking about and they have a reputation or some sort of credentials. You know, that that's really what you're looking for. And, and you know, if it costs the price of a, of a luxury car, then maybe you don't do it. Again, it depends on what deals you're doing too. I mean, if you're buying rentals, I mean, you, there's not much gurus are going to teach you about that. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking to do a buy and hold strategy, I mean, go to the RIA, find wholesale deals, and and just buy one. I mean, that's uh, yeah. action is what taught me the most. But certainly, yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking for that advantage, and that's what some of those programs uh, advocate for, and and put in your head that they're they're going to get you there. Uh, so I've spent 27 grand. I know a lot of people try to justify doing that. I would argue that you absolutely should not do that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. But okay, so since you did your first deal then, what have you done? I, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but what have you done since then? Like, what, what literally have you done and then what is your goal going forward? So since then, I have, uh, I purchased on the heels of that flip, I was pretty excited, obviously. Um, I wanted to get into another flip. So I went to Aria. Um, they have properties for sale every month. And I bought a house that was in the beginning stages of a renovation from a father-son team. Uh, great father-son team. I mean, they're awesome people, but they just got in over their head. Uh, so I bought a, another rehab project off of them uh, that I was going to flip, which I did do that. Um, and that... I think I bought that back in, I think I closed on it in October and I closed on it the uh, like first week of March. Okay. Okay. Profitable, I assume? That was profitable as well. Um, I It was less profitable because uh, I ran into some contractor issues. Okay. Uh, and just, just to be clear, I've done four pretty major renovations and I've uh, used four different GCs. I think I finally... <laughs> Okay, you got the guy now. You think? I'm pretty sure I have a pretty good, okay. pretty good guy to go to now. That's but, yeah. normal, though. You know what? I, it, the good thing here, though, I mean, the lesson is don't be afraid to cut someone loose and move on. I mean, don't just get beat up and, and lose money because you're you're you don't want that uncomfortable conversation that you have to have. It's, you know, this is a business and and you're trying to make money. So I, I think that's awesome. I, I did the same thing. I didn't use the same contractor on my second flip that I did on my first, and my third one was a different one yet. And then I found someone eventually, but that happens. It's totally normal. What what was in a nutshell? What was the problem that you ran into on on the second uh, renovation that caused you to to move on from a to to that contractor to a different one? Uh, biggest thing is you have to have the same goals. 
um, and same respect for one another. You know, everyone before they get those checks says that they're going to be there all day long and, and work to get the job done. But uh, ultimately, when you see them showing up at nine and, and leaving sometimes at three o'clock and, and the, the project's dragging on, um, you just got to go. There, you know there's someone out there that's better because sure. I, I have a better work ethic than that. So I know that someone in the contracting world uh, will as well. So a lot of it was that. Um, and, and at the end, it really drug on because I, I think he made less than what he anticipated. But a lot of that was due to his scheduling. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, he didn't do a great job on, on the wall. Like he, he did some shortcuts at the end that, that kind of turned me off. So gotcha. um, and then. Yeah. Okay. So did he finish the project though? He was the one that actually finished it, or did you have to move on? He finished it. No. Okay. He, okay. It just it just took a long at the uh, a long time at the end because I you know he was there longer than he should have been and uh, yeah I, I don't know if he's trying to wait me out or what but uh, <laughs> I, I, I used them on other things just not a full renovation or anything I, I would use them for sure for renovating some rentals but as far as flipping the house I, I i probably wouldn't go that direction okay that's fair i mean that makes sense and that's just the way the business is so going forward what are your plans what what's your ultimate like your five-year goal where do you want to be well i i did want to just stay with flipping um and you know the numbers ultimately will will help uh forge my path if you will um, I wanted to flip more houses than I have thus far. I've only flipped two, um, but I have acquired six other units, and, and a lot of that's been off of uh, my direct marketing letters. Um, and it just made more sense because they're in the hot part of Pittsburgh to rent them out, and I was able to get them cheap enough. It necessar didn't necessarily have the equity to flip them, um, and, and the numbers on the rental side made sense. So while I didn't want to be a big buy and hold guy, um, I've done a personal financial statement recently, and I, I see, I see the future of how how that is building my wealth um, with the equity I do have in those, and, and then the cash flow and all that stuff. So, um, I do want to. My goal would long term would be to flip about four houses a a, a year. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, you know, this year by any means. But uh, uh, and also build. A rental portfolio primarily through creative finance methods so owner financing um, subject to things like that so uh, that's kind of my long-term goal and that could always change with with the way things go absolutely now it sounds like uh, you're not you don't need to use um, private investors or, or a bank I mean you're using creative methods like you said and it sounds like your flips the first one you finance yourself you made 25,000 are you self-financing at this point I know you said creative I get that but I mean your flips and things are those self-financed the first two flips were self-financed the first one was with my uh, my home equity line like I said yep. the second one was with my um, self-directed IRA okay uh, that was the one I just talked about I think I made 20,000 on that one and um, the third house I bought was a rental that I still uh, hold today. I bought that with um, ten thousand dollars down, and I got a, a mortgage from the seller for five fifty a month for a hundred months, so zero percent interest. Nice, very nice. 
So I'm awesome. super excited about that one. Okay, so you also mentioned, this is something you, you glossed over and I didn't know you were doing it, but I want to dive into it just for a moment, is your direct mail campaign. So you've already started a direct mail campaign and that's paying off for you. You work full time. How are you maintaining that marketing arm, if you will, with a full-time job because you get calls, right? So how do you handle that? So just getting the letters out is the biggest challenge. And uh, ultimately I, I would, I'm looking to, I'm going to outsource that fully. I outsourced at first, my wife and I were hand addressing all, all the envelopes at night. Okay. It was too sporadic because we both work full-time jobs. Um, and I'm just, I'm not doing yellow letters. I'm doing printed out mail merge letters and uh, I was hand signing them. And now I've even, Photoshop my signature in, so I don't have okay. to do that. Anymore. So I'm trying to set up systems to automate, and then we've outsourced to um, a college girl to hand address the envelopes now, so I just have to keep her stocked. Um, so doing that, and then the calls obviously coming in, I had them coming to my cell phone at first, I set up a Google Voice number, uh, that became overwhelming, so I did sign up with Pat Live, so I have a virtual assistant taking calls and uh, adhering to a script that I set out to get the information, I call back the people who I want to call back. Awesome. I use Pat Live also. How are you? How are you liking that? Is it working out for you? I for for a guy that works full time, I I don't know how else you would do it. Right. Uh, I mean, it's it's not cheap. I mean, if you if you get the marketing campaign going, I mean, you're going to spend a, a couple hundred bucks a month just with you know sure some calls coming in. So it's not like it doesn't cost you any money, but uh, but it's it's a lot better than you know, missing calls while you're um, in meetings with customers and doing your day job. Yeah, exactly. Then you're going out, I assume, personally and looking at the houses and, and talking to the sellers. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's and you, you're getting some of your deals this way, it sounds like. I've bought, let's see, um, I think I bought, I bought three properties off of my direct mail campaigns. Awesome. And how many, how many letters would you, would you say you sent out to get those three deals or whatever, direct mail, mail pieces? Good question. I've probably sent out a couple thousand okay. over the past year. And again, those go in, in spurts. I try to send out 100 a week. Uh, right now, I I ran out and I just haven't gotten back to it because I've got the rehab going on. Right. Okay. All right. That's good information. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff people need to hear when they're starting out, how you're doing it, where are you getting these deals. So that's great. And I, you know, the market's changing too. So you have to change with the market. You got involved with this a year ago, but if you'd have got involved with real estate five or six or seven years ago, you could have gotten anything you wanted off the MLS. It was just, there were just so many properties at that time. It was pretty easy to, to get them. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. Now, it's not so much so. It's a seller's market. The inventory is low. So direct marketing is, is really, I think, kind of a necessity if you really want a deal flow. So that's great that you've already identified that and gotten into the game. So that's I really commend you for that. I appreciate that. That's one of the biggest things. Uh, helped me get over that hurdle of being being scared uh, was just talking to people and, and I mean when people call you they're looking for help you know I mean it, you got it and my sales background obviously helps with uh, talking to people as well but yeah you know you only know what you know in life and I, I didn't feel like I added a ton of value at first when I was talking to, this, to some of these sellers um, and now that I've helped a few sellers out of their situation uh, it's it's very easy for me to talk to people and and be confident in what I can do for them. Yeah, that's good. You, you're right. Doing it will give you that confidence. I mean, I think the action is is really where you get the education when it comes to talking people and, and to sellers like that. I totally agree with you. So, all right, we're getting close here. I want to kind of wrap this up, but before we do, can you 
tell me, now that you've kind of gotten your feet wet, right? You've done a few flips, you've gotten some buy and hold properties. What advice would you give to someone who hasn't done their first deal, but they're like you, right? They may have listened to the rich dad, poor dad driving in the car to work. They, they really are excited. They want to get started. What would you tell them? I would tell them, number one, uh, against all the advice of gurus, keep your startup costs low. So don't spend a ton on education. We touched on that. Uh, don't set up multiple LLCs like I did, um, in, especially in different states, unless you actually have assets to protect. Um, I've had a number of friends who st were starting out at the same time as me, uh, number one, not uh, send out letters, even though I was telling them to, for whatever reason, they would just <laughs> a mental block in their head, they wouldn't do it. Um, and they had LLCs in Nevada and everything else. And when they start talking to their lawyers here, they actually had to pay to, un to dissolve those entities because it just didn't work. Um, right. Or maybe it would work, but it, it just wasn't worth uh, maintaining the LLCs in different states for, for especially if you're only going to start, start off by doing, uh, I mean, in my six properties that I've bought over the last year, there's no reason that I have two two entities at this point. Um, I could have done it all in one. So um, I would say keep your startup costs low. Go to your RIA. Network as much as you can on your own. And most importantly, like I'll, I'll touch on it again, is send letters and and try to send 100 per week. That's really when I have the best manageable uh, you know prospect flow coming in. Right. Okay. Good advice. Great advice. Real quick, who do you? Uh, where do you get your list? Where did you find the, the, the addresses that you send to? Sure. Um, fortunately, I'm in Pittsburgh, and which resides in Allegheny County, and they have pretty good online resources. So list source is who I go through, and they're able to pull um, pretty good lists from from the, this county. Okay. So you, you said list source, right? List source? That is correct. Okay. 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 Good deal. So you find them there, and then you're hand uh, addressing them yourself, obviously, um, and then uh, you send those out yourself. You send them to you take them to the post office yourself and send them. Is that how you do it? Well, I'm having a college girl hand address them, and she's sending them out. Gotcha. For me. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Hey, listen, Dan, I, I really appreciate you doing this. We sort of, you know, a lot of people don't know sort of the back end of how these interviews take place. This was relatively short notice. I contacted you earlier this week and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you. Let's try to set something up in the next few days. So we sort of did this quickly, uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time with me today to sit down and, and, and tell your story and be completely honest and open. I mean, you didn't hold back anything and you gave us numbers. And that's, you know, that's really the, the giving back part because there's a lot of people listening right now who've never done their first deal and they really just need to know like what what do things cost and how do I know and what do I do if the contractor starts flaking out or you know I don't know how to get leads and you've answered a lot of those questions for people at least how you did it right there's a lot of ways to do this this uh, business but you've been very forthcoming and, and I really appreciate that and I think it's gonna be a huge help to a lot of new folks very good I was happy to do it and uh, I appreciate you doing all these podcasts it's a it's a great resource for people especially starting out Excellent. I appreciate it. And anyone who wants to see the show notes on this and maybe, you know, how can people get a hold of you, by the way, Dan, if they, if they just want to say, hey, you know, I really appreciate you sharing or, you know, can you give me some advice? Like, is, is there any way they can contact you? Is there an email or would you rather not? No, that's fine. Okay. I have an email address. Uh, it's djc.danik, which is D as in Daniel, A-N-N-I-C at gmail.com. Or they could go to my website, um, which is my acquisition website, okay. and it's 
ibuypghproperties.com. All right, I'm writing this down, properties.com. Okay, so we didn't talk about it, and, and maybe it's a discussion for another day, but you've already got an acu- acquisition website up too, man. You're doing a lot of you just keep You keep casually mentioning all these really great things that you're doing that some people just never really get to or they don't do it until years down the road. So it sounds like you really have a good plan and you're executing, and, uh, yeah, you're, you're going in the right direction. There's no doubt about it. We could have this call two years from now, and you're going to just be rocking it, and you may not even be working a day job at that point because I think you're doing a lot of the right stuff right now. I appreciate it very much and uh, certainly that's the goal. I've made a lot of people money over the years and uh, it seems like when you're in sales after five years they they look to take money away from you so (laughs) I'm not going to do that to myself. That's kind of why I'm on this path. I got you, man. I appreciate it, and I think that's smart. So if you want to get to the show notes and find everything we talked about, his contact information and everything, you can go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash Dan Costantino. And uh, that'll be right there for you. You can go to the front page and go to the right-hand side, scroll down. It'll be there, too. So you don't have to write this down as you're driving. But, Dan, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time, and we will uh, we'll definitely keep in touch and talk to you soon. Perfect, Mike. Thank you very much. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Pretty inspirational, huh? I mean, Dan's an amazing guy. I mean, he's doing it all. He's working full time. He's got his real estate investing business cranked up. I mean, he's doing some incredible things. He's doing more than some full time investors that I've run into in the in the past. So this, he's going to be successful. I mean, he just is. That's exactly why I asked him to be a part of this and come on here and talk to my audience and talk to you guys and just kind of give you a little dose of inspiration about how he's doing it as a new investor. I mean, I think Dan would be the first one to admit he's not doing anything that no one else can do. He's just doing it, right? He's getting out there and going. So I suggest everyone take Dan's lead, get out there and get going on your investment, get going on your real estate investing career, I should say, and make it happen because this stuff isn't rocket science, guys. It's, you know, it's if if everyone would just take little steps every day, you would get to where you want to be. You'll get there. It'll take a while, but you'll get there. If you take a lot of steps every day, you're going to get there a whole lot faster. Massive action. And Dan's a good example of massive action. He is doing it. Okay, that's all I have for today. Okay, guys, until tomorrow, if flipping houses and real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. (laughs) 